I'm Sarah Lippman. Welcome to Torati Mecha Nach Yomi with the OU Women's Initiative. Today, we will be learning Divrei Hayamim, Chronicles, Volume 1, Chapter 10. Chapter 10 is a short chapter, only 14 verses, but it comes as a punch to the gut. After nine chapters of lists, hinting to events, but almost never spelling them out, we plunge headlong into one of the most tragic events in all of Tanakh, the death of King Shaul. Verses 1 through 7. Uflishtim nilchamu v'Yisrael. And the plishtim did battle with Israel. And the men of Israel fled before the plishtim, and they fell, slain on Mount Gilboa. The plishtim pursued closely after Shaul and his sons. And the plishtim slew Yonasan, Avinadav, and Malkishua, the sons of Shaul. The battle bore down heavily on Shaul, and the bowmen spotted him. He became frightened of the bowmen. And Shaul said to his arm-bearer, Draw your sword and pierce me with it, lest these men come and torture me. But the armor-bearer was unwilling. He was very much afraid. So Shaul took the sword and fell upon it. And his arms-bearer saw that Shaul was dead, and he too fell upon the sword and died. And Shaul, his three sons, and all his household died. They died as one together. All the men of Israel in the valley saw that they had fled. They saw that Shaul and his sons were dead, and they fled their cities, and the plishtim came and occupied them. It's beyond the scope of our learning today to discuss the rights or wrongs of Shaul's death. Whether, when faced with certain death and the possibility of unbearable torture, a person is allowed to avoid that pain is a halachic matter much discussed among the sages and the rabbis. What is certain is that here we've read about the loss of one of the great leaders of Israel, a righteous man, a tzaddik, a humble man who never saw himself as greater than others, someone who stood up in defense of his people, who took on a heavy job he never asked for, and who did his best to serve loyally and the responsibility given to him. Verses 8 through 12. And it was upon the next day that the plishtim came to strip the corpses. And they found Shaul and his sons fallen on Mount Gilboa. They stripped him, and they took his head and his armor. They sent around the land of the plishtim to carry the news to their idols and to their people. They put his armor in the house of their gods, and his head they fastened to the house of Dagon, their idol. Now, when the people of Yavish and Gilad heard what the plishtim had done to Shaul, every man of noble spirit, Kol Ish Chayel, arose, and they carried off the body of Shaul and the bodies of his sons. They brought them to Yavish, they buried their bones under an oak tree in Yavish, and they fasted and mourned for seven days. The city of Yavish in Gilad belongs to the half-tribe of Menashe, on the eastern side of the Jordan River. When the people of Yavesh Gilad heard that Shaul had been killed and that the plishtim were disgracing him in his death, they immediately gathered together their troops. They retrieved the bodies of Shaul and his sons. They buried them with dignity. And they were so desperately upset over Shaul's death that they fasted and mourned for seven days as if he were their brother. Appropriately, they did chesed, kindness, love in action, for Shaul, 
They were eternally grateful to him for the support and real help he had given them in the past, putting in effort, accepting risk to defend them from the Plishtim and from Nachash Ha'amoni, as is told in the first book of Shmuel. The Hakaras HaTov, the fact that the people of Yavesh Gilad held a memory and appreciation for what Shaul had done for them in the past, strong enough to cause them to take action and risk now to return the favor, is Hakaras HaTov, appreciating the good, and the people of Yavish Gilad are praised for it. And finally, verses 13 and 14. Vayamas Shaul b'ma'alo asher ma'al b'Hashem. And Shaul died in the betrayal with which he betrayed God, al dvar Hashem asher lo shamar, for the word of God which he had not guarded, v'gam lish'ol be'ov lidrosh, and for seeking out the ov, the necromancer, for guidance. V'lodarash b'Hashem, he did not seek out God, v'yemisehu, and God killed him, v'yaseves hamalucha David ben Yishai, and God transferred the kingship to David, son of Yishai. Tanu Rabbanan, teach the sages in Vayikra Rabbah. Al chamisha chataim neherag oso hatzadik. This righteous man died for five reasons, all of which are hinted to in the verses here. Vayamas Shaul b'ma'alo. Shaul died in his betrayal. This is referring to the time that he killed out the city of Nov. Asher mo'al b'Hashem, that he betrayed God. This refers to when he had pity on the cruel and vicious Agag, king of Amalek. Al-Dvar Hashem asher lo shamar, the word of God which he did not guard. This refers to when he did not listen to the instructions of Shmuel the prophet, when he told him, wait for seven days until I come, but he did not do that. Vigam lishol be'ov lidrosh, and also that he asked guidance of the ov, of magic, necromancy. V'lodarash b'ashem. He not only sought guidance from the dead, he did not seek out guidance from Hashem himself. So in these verses, Divri Hayamim seems to point a very accusing finger at Shaul. Why is that necessary? It's a tragedy that he's died. Ezra wants us to understand that Shaul didn't die because there was a war. He didn't die because he was outnumbered or outmaneuvered. He died because as a king, he made decisions to put himself as the final decider, even over God's rulership. He was a tzaddik. In his personal life, his sins might be rectifiable. But as a king, the consequences of disobeying God's instructions, having pity on the cruel, and no mercy on the innocent, of turning to forbidden means in his desperation to get guidance, rather than turning only to God and placing himself in Hashem's hands, caused him to lose the kingdom entirely along with his life. That said, Shaul's death atoned for his sins. He remains a venerated tzaddik, remembered for his dedication to the Jewish people and to God. In fact, teaches Reish Lakish and Vayikor Rabbah, Be'osa Sha'a, at that very time, as Shaul set out for his final day on earth, Come, God says to the angels, I want you to see this beautiful 
creature I have created. The death of Shaul forms a dark backdrop to the brightness of David's life. David always struggled against the odds. He was always attacked. He was always embattled. He was always mocked. David's constant is that he is Doresh Bahashem. He seeks out God. He seeks out God's instructions, his guidance, his rebuke, and his salvation in every moment. Even as king, David will never lose sight of the fact that he is the servant of God, the ultimate king. That will be David's story, and it begins in the next chapter, chapter 11. Do you remember what we learned in the last chapter that Rav Moshe Eisman told us the passion of the ancestor is passed on to the children? Ultimately, says Abarbanel, Shaul's reign could not live on beyond his lifetime because it didn't contain that very passion and dedication, the Mesiris Nefesh, necessary to pass inherent royalty forward to his children. Specifically, Abarbanel points to Shaul's tendency to do what inspired him, such that he wasn't submitting fully to God's rules over him. Niskalta ki lo shamarta es mitzvah Hashem elokecha asher tzivcha, Shmuel says to Shaul, you have been foolish. You have not guarded the commandments of Hashem your Lord, which he commanded you. God seeks a man whose heart is with God. God will appoint him as leader over his people. You didn't follow the instructions God gave you. Why, why did you not listen to the voice of God? The commentary attributed to Rashi points out that Divrei Hayamim recounts the downfall only and not the greatness of Shaul. It recounts the greatness only, but not the failures of David HaMelech. Why? Ki hasefer shelo, because this is his book. We know the facts from the book of Shmuel. Here Ezra wants to show us something different, the impact of the individual men. What made Shaul's reign end? What made David's reign stretch on into eternity? When verse 14 says, Velo darash Bashem ben Yishai, he didn't seek out God, and God killed him and transferred the kingdom to David son of Yishai. The implication is direct and it is clear. Says Abarvanel, Shaul didn't seek out God's guidance, and David did. The one who can know that God is king over him is suited to be king of Israel. As Ralbag says, why did God transfer the kingdom to David? Because his heart was with God in every action he took. This idea of lidrosh es Hashem, to seek out God, this is the same term used by the Torah in presenting the commandment to seek out the site of the Beis HaMikdash, the Holy Temple. In Devarim chapter 12, Lishichno Sidrishu, you shall seek out God's presence. Drisha, seeking, suggests substantial effort. The Malbim there defines Drisha as the process of investigating and searching, using your own effort in order to find something. It's this active seeking out of God which is the light motif of David's life. 
It is his drive, his motivation. It's the one thing he cares about above all else. David has a fiery determination to seek out God's presence and never let go of it. It fills David. It defines David. So he makes the perfect king, not a perfect man, but a perfect king to initiate a dynasty that will last forever. Perhaps it is in this sense that we can understand the statement of the sages in Yuma, Chavbez. Why did the kingdom of King Shaul not continue? Because he had nothing wrong with him. Shaul was very nearly perfect. Until becoming king, he had never sinned at all. In his wholeness, Shaul may never have experienced the vulnerability of regret, anguish, fears, all the ups and downs which David felt so acutely. Shaul may never have felt a desperate need to seek out Hashem, to worry that he had lost God's favor, as David constantly did. Shaul's personal perfection may have been his flaw as a king. Ralbag explains that despite the fall of Shaul, Hashem does not hold back good from those who are good. Hashem watched closely over Shaul's son Yonasan and his son Mephibosheth. Ultimately, they were blessed with so many descendants that there was a single grandson, Ulam, who had 150 children and grandchildren of his own. There is one other contrast between Shaul and David that is very pertinent to understanding why one was more fit to be king than the other. In the book of Shmuel, volume 1, chapter 15, we learn that Shaul led the battle against Amalek. He had been instructed to wipe out all people and all cattle, but he did not fulfill that instruction to the letter. When Shmuel came to speak with Shaul afterward, Shaul said, I have fulfilled the word of Hashem. So Shmuel begins by giving him a hint. And what is this sound of sheep in my ears? What is the sound of the cattle that I hear? And Shaul instead of realizing that he has erred, says, I have brought them from Amalekim. The people took pity on the best of the sheep and cattle. They want to bring them as offerings to Hashem. But we have destroyed the remainder. And Shmuel said to Shaul, Stop, I will tell you what Hashem spoke to me last night. Although you may be small in your own eyes, Hashem has anointed you to be king over Israel. Hashem sent you on the way. He said, go destroy the sinners, Amalek, wage war with them, exterminate them. Why did you not obey the voice of Hashem? You rushed after the spoils. You did what was wrong in the eyes of Hashem. And Shaul said to Shmuel, but I did heed the voice of Hashem, and I did walk on the path which Hashem sent me. I brought Agag king of Amalek. I destroyed the rest of Amalek, and the people took the sheep and cattle and the spoils. They want to bring offerings to Hashem and Gilgal. Responds Shmuel, Does Hashem want the offerings? No offering is as meaningful as obedience to the voice of Hashem. Because you have rejected the word of God, he is rejecting you as king. And it was only then, after a hint, after direct instruction, and after rejection, that Shaul said to Shmuel, I have sinned. I have transgressed the word of Hashem. I have transgressed your word because I feared the people and I listened to their voice. Please forgive me and return with me. Shaul 
was a great man, but not a great king. A king of Israel, above all, must model to the people that God is king and his rules apply equally to everyone. No man is above the law. In contrast, in the book of Shmuel, volume 2, chapter 12, Hashem sends Nasan the prophet to David to call him out on his sin regarding Uriah. First, he begins with a hint, with a parable of a rich man who steals a lamb from a poor man. And David was indignant, and he says to Nasan, A man who does this deserves to die. He must pay. He did this deed. He had no pity. Nasan then said to David, You are that man. Thus says Hashem, God of Israel, I anointed you as king over Israel. Why have you scorned the word of Hashem, doing what is evil in my eyes? You have struck down Uriah the Chiti by sword. His wife you have taken for wife, and you allowed him to be killed by the children of Ammon. And David says to Nasan, I have sinned to Hashem. And Nasan responds, So too, Hashem will commute your sin. You will not die. David, in the tradition of his ancestor Yehuda, can immediately acknowledge where he has gone wrong. Is he a perfect man? No, but he is a perfect king. It is this critical aspect of David's kingship that makes his an eternal dynasty. As Divrei Hayamim has traced it for us, through all these generations, from Adam, through Yehuda, his descendants, Kalev, Achan, Boaz, David, what they all want most of all is to fulfill God's will. And when they stumble, as humans always will, they accept rebuke, they accept responsibility, they pray for forgiveness, they change their ways, and they commit to doing better in the future. If the passion of the ancestor is passed on to the children, then what David has bequeathed to his own children is the remarkable ability not to decay over time. Mortal beings, yes, but even when they fall, they constantly improve and grow. David, Like an organic plant, even when they stumble, they're able to pick themselves up because always they reach as a plant to the sun for the favor of God. David, Melech Yisrael, David, King of Israel, Chai V'Kayam, he lives and he continues. The confidence to lead others with strength and the humility to see oneself as a servant of God. Together, these qualities made David of the house of Yehuda fit to be king forever. Thank you for learning together with me. Le'ilu Nishmas, Rose Foreman, Rachel Rachel, Bas Arye Leib, and Rachel Zeitlin.